cast your gaze onto the Sea of Tiberias, to a little boat that's making its way to the shore in the morning. A boat which was laden with fish. Yet you wouldn't expect that if you've read the words of verse 3, chapter 21 of John, where it says, that night they caught nothing. Peter, six other of the disciples, had gone back to the old craft without consulting the Lord. In all honesty, like many of God's people with some ideas today, they couldn't say the Lord led me to it. Peter says, I go a-fishing. There was others who went with him. It must have been one of the longest nights that ever they spent on those seas. The recent reports of the risen Christ, no doubt, were to dominate their conversation. Of how Thomas was convinced it was the risen Christ by the sight of his hands and of his side of the disciples collectively, of the two past Sabbath evenings when they had a meeting with the risen Savior. Now in the cold of the night out on the sea, with the morning light about to break over the Judean hills, and with nothing to show for their labors, understandably, they turned the boat for home, and strangely and suddenly, about 200 yards from shore, they saw a solitary figure. That solitary figure stands on that shore and they soon were to hear his command and it is a command that they obey and what follows is a special invitation which is found in the words of my text tonight. John 21 verse 12, Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. Come and dine. For unknown to them at first, This indeed was a resurrection appearance of the Savior and the one whom they were about to feast with. Won't you notice the revelation here? It was Jesus that stood on the seashore. It was the Lord who spoke to them and showed obvious concern for them when he asked them in verse 5, Have you any meat? Children, have you any meat? It was the Lord who issued the command that they should cast the nets on the right side of the boat. But all the time, the disciples were looking through a glass darkly, for they did not realize that it was the risen Christ. Verse 4 reminds us that the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. The first one to discern that it was the Lord was a disciple who leaned on the Savior's breast at supper. And that was John. That's the one who wrote even this gospel narrative. But if all that we see in this appearance of Christ is some concern and kindness shown to the disciples, a sentimental meeting with an air of nostalgia about it, then I believe we've missed it. We've missed the real significance of it. For here was a revelation which was miraculous. Let's not forget that this was the risen Lord who stood on the seashore. This was the same Christ who had been forsaken by all the disciples. This was the one who had been denied by Peter 
with oaths and curses. This was the one who had been doubted by Thomas. And yet he stands this morning awaiting the return of the disciples from their fruitless labors and endeavors on that sea. This was the Christ who was ordained from eternity past to be taken by the cruel and wicked hands of men and to be crucified on yonder Golgotha's brow on that middle cross. And yet he's standing on a seashore. And yet having finished the work of redemption, he stands in his resurrected body to meet with his disciples. But that wasn't the only miracle that is displayed, even in these verses. Was it not a miracle that the disciples had managed to keep catch nothing all the night? The fishing grounds of Galilee, at least to many of these disciples, they knew it like the back of their hand. They obviously knew the seas because they were fishermen by trade. A sea that abounded with fish. And yet it was to offer nothing to these disciples. The straining hand of the Lord who knows all things, including where the fish were to be found, was to miraculously keep the fish from them that night. And men and women, young people, the Lord must reveal to us our nothingness and our inability to do anything for ourselves if we are ever to look to him by faith and be saved. You see, that is essentially the teaching of the Savior in Mark chapter 2 in the words of verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You don't need to go to the doctor if you're well. It's only when you recognize that you're sick that you will make that phone call or you'll make that trip to the doctor's surgery. And the Lord is saying, I came not to call the righteous. You who think that you're all right before God, you who think you're going to get into heaven because you come to church or you do this or that or the other, he says, I came to call sinners to repentance. Those who recognize that in and of themselves are nothing and we're unworthy and that we need one who can save us. But note that this revelation was meaningful. There was good reason why they caught nothing that night. For it gave the opportunity for the Lord to command them as he did. In the words of verse 6, he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. And in obedience to the Lord's word, the disciples were instead of having a night and nothing, were to have fish and fullness. The Lord was to flood their net with fish. The fish that normally were to be found in the depths, the fish that normally would have been caught in the darkness, as any fisherman will know were instead to be caught near the land, near the shore, and in the breaking of the day. There's a miracle. And doesn't it impart to us that the Lord is in control of all things? It is the Lord who must give the increase. And if in obedience to his will and to his word we commit the work into his control, then instead of seeking to serve in our own strength and having nothing to show with it and for it, it will have the blessing and it will have the power of God upon it instead. For what we must see is that the Lord working with us 
and confirming the word with signs following. But this revelation was meaningful for it taught the disciples a valuable lesson that their future work, and it was without me, without the Savior, they could do nothing. This is a little band that was thrust forth at the command of the Lord, the risen Christ, into the world to preach the gospel to every creature. They needed to be reminded that without the Lord they could do nothing, they would accomplish nothing, and as fishers of men they would receive nothing. But you know this revelation was merciful because it served to prove that although Christ was sown in weakness, yet he was raised in power. It was to show that even the fish of the sea are under his feet. He did for them what no other could do, and that which they looked not for. And he was merciful to his disciples, for when their ingenuity and when their industry failed them, the power of Christ came for their relief. And dear loved one, can I say, when we're at most at our loss, at our weakest, it's then that we learned and we find that the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. It's no coincidence that that was the name given to Abraham or by Abraham after that scene on Mount Moriah. But God provided a ram in the place of his only son Isaac. It was but a foreshadowing of God providing himself a lamb which must show forth the greatest mercy of all in that he gave his only begotten son, the one who would lay down his life in the place of sinful and lost mankind. We who are unworthy, we who are wayward and could do nothing for our own salvation, yet the mercy of God in Christ is revealed at Calvary when he gave himself as an offering for sin and became the sinner's substitute. I even brought out this morning Mount Moriah is the same mountain range as Calvary. There's a beautiful foreshadowing there of what would take place centuries down from when Abraham was spared slaying his son. But God spared not his only son but delivered them up for us all. Let me ask you, have you experienced the mercy of God to your soul? Do you know forgiveness of sin tonight? Do you know pardon from a merciful God? Thank God we're still in the day of God's grace and God can reveal his power to some soul in this meeting house tonight. What about the provision? You see, when the disciples were taken up with a great shoal of fish in their net, it's John who looked beyond the blessing. And he looked to the giver. That look was to convince them that this was no ordinary figure standing on the seashore. You see, it says in the start of verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And you just picture in your mind's eye those disciples on that little boat and they're about 200 yards out. And they see this solitary figure and they hear his voice, they hear the command. And John looks beyond the bulging nets and he sees, he sees it's Christ. That 
much was confirmed that it was the Christ when they arrived at the shore themselves. For as our text suggests, verse 12, Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. But in these words, we have cause to consider what provision the Lord was to give to them that morning. I tell you, men and women, tonight, the Lord is able to meet you at the very point of your need, just as he did with his disciples. And there were three things that he, they most needed. He provided for them a fire. Look at verse 9. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. They had come in from the cold of the night. They had come in from the toiling on the open waves of that sea of Galilee. But the risen Lord had provided a fire of coals so that they might find some warmth. And dear sinner, out in the sea of this world, with no one to care for your soul, if there's something that you need, it is the warmth of the gospel message. There's no message in this world which can give you hope or can give you everlasting life. There's no other message that speaks of a Savior who died for sins and who endured the fire of God's wrath that you might never have to. There's no other who paid the price of that eternal damnation in hell where the fire is never quenched so that you would not have to go there. There's no other message. There's no other one. For that one alone is the Lord Jesus Christ himself whom God provided from before the foundation of the world to be the savior of a lost and dying mankind. It's Christ. It is the Lord, in the words of Peter. But I suggest, before I move on, that the fire was provided for a deeper significance than that, especially to one of the disciples. I don't know why you've ever seen this before. You turn back a couple of chapters to John chapter 18, Here's the only other time in the New Testament you will find this little phrase. John 18, verse 18. The servants and the officers stood there who had made a fire of coals. For it was cold and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. That's the only other time you will see that phrase. It's the same word that was used of the fire that Peter was found to be at amongst the crowd in Pilate's courtyard. That crowd of the world, that place where he was to deny the Lord with oaths and curses at the behest of a little maid. And now Peter is brought to a similar fire, a fire of coal. The memory of it must have been all too real. But I tell you, the Lord is not only able to provide salvation if needed, but Peter was to learn this morning that he is also able to provide restoration. 
Maybe I'm preaching to someone that was once well with you, walking with God. But there's that coldness that has come in. There's that waywardness that has come into your walk. And you're afar off from the Lord. And men and women, young person, God can restore you tonight onto your first love. For he's ever married to the backslider. The provision was also one of fish. The disciples came to the shore after a long night of toiling without anything to show for it. One of the greatest needs was for them to have their hunger satisfied, to have a meal. And there in the fire as we read it, the Savior had fish already laid on it and the bread to accompany it. Maybe by the sight of the bread and the fish, there's another reminder. And there's a reminder of the one who fed the 5,000 besides women and children with the bread and with the fish. And we read that they were all filled. And there was leftovers. And he was still the same Savior who could provide the need of this little flock. And my dear friend, without God's salvation, if you want to be fed so that you'll be satisfied, then it is to the Lord Jesus Christ that you need to come to. John chapter 6 and the words of verse 35 tells us, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. You've tried the broken cisterns of this whole world, but ah, it's failed. But I tell you tonight, in the authority of God's word, Christ will not fail you. You'll be satisfied. And having tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and feasting upon the one who can save your soul, then you'll need to keep on feasting upon him. Dear child of God, there's a little word for you. There's no substitute to feasting upon the living Christ. Are you spiritually famished? Then return to the Lord. Feed daily upon him who is the living bread. Get into his word. See also the provision of the Lord. The third thing was one of fellowship. The disciples who had labored all night may have come to the shore disgruntled, irritated. They were in danger of being downcast, disheartened. And the Lord, had the Lord not caused them to bring in that great net of fish, but for them on the seashore this morning, the risen Savior was to provide them with that sweet and with that timely fellowship. The presence of the Savior, the presence of the Lord, literally made the feast as he joined with them. Dear loved one in this world of sin, where it is so easy to become disheartened and in your walk with God, where be not mistaken, the devil is out to wear you down. That's what we read in Daniel 7 and 25. He's out to wear down the saints of the Most High. And what a blessing it is to have that fellowship with God and with Jesus Christ, as John brings out in his little epistles. First John 1 
And the words of verse 3 says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, our fellowship it can only be upon the grounds of the shed blood. That, that blood that was shed so freely on Calvary's cross. For we who were afar off have been made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. If you are not saved, and this is the fellowship you don't enjoy because you haven't got it, but you can enjoy it tonight. You can enjoy it if you will seek Christ and God's salvation. For in Christ... You will have one who says, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Wonder will you come tonight? Wonder will you seek his provision? That only Christ can give to your soul. Now, there's one other little thought before we close tonight, and that is the invite itself. For our text details the invitation that the Lord issued to these disciples. It's an invitation that was welcoming. He simply said to them, come and dine. He doesn't say, come and wait, or come and attend on to me. He doesn't suggest that they go and dine and eat by themselves. Some to this day are guilty of excluding God's people from the very table where we are to remember the Lord's death. He didn't say, well, you go over there and eat. No. He says, come and dine. They were no longer out on the sea. They're on the shore. They're no longer in the darkness of the night. A new dawn is now risen. A new day has dawned. And the invitation was from the risen and the living Lord who invited them to come and dine with him. And so many women that day is still to come when the Lord will issue the invitation to those invited. Come for all things are now ready. I wonder will you hear that call? Will you hear that invitation? Are you saved tonight? Are you one of the redeemed of the Lord? Awaiting that day when the church will no longer be the church militant and toiling on the seas of this world, but it will be the church glorified and it will be taken up with the Christ who loved her and who gave himself for her. I want you just to picture this scene in this chapter. These little verses that we've been looking at tonight, just you picture those Number that little flock meeting with Christ on that seashore on that morning day, that morning time. Because you see, the scene in John 21 is the church of Jesus Christ been welcomed home. Onto that eternal shore, the long night of work is ended when the gospel nets have been cast forth. The welcome now is from the Lord of glory who stands on the eternal shore and who says, Come and dine. Notice that the invitation was without loss. I don't want you to miss this. Do you see what the Lord said in verse 10? Jesus said unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. 
You see, there's a similar passage in Luke chapter 5, yet there are stark differences there. In Luke chapter 5, the nets break. And we can only suggest that some of the fish were lost to the sea again. There's no definite number given of how many were caught in Luke chapter 5. But in this passage, there's no breakage in the nets. The fish are safely counted and gathered in and all without any loss. And notice the description that is given of them. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. And hundred and fifty and three And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. They were all great fish. The Lord not only gave quality, quantity, but he gave quality as well. And the Lord invited them to bring the fish that they had caught. And dear friend, when the church is presented as the spotless bride of Christ without schism, without fault, The invitation to join with Christ at the marriage supper of the Lamb will be without loss. There will not be one missing that God has written down in the Lamb's book of life from eternity past. They all shall be gathered and counted in. There will be no mixed multitude then as in Matthew chapter 13. But there will be gathered from every kindred, every tongue, every nation, every tribe, all of them chosen vessels, all of them chosen jewels, all of them sheep known and known by name. Everyone ransomed and redeemed by the same precious blood of the Savior. For you see, the Lord says in his great high priestly prayer, John 17, verse 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou givest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Dear unsaved, whom the Lord saves, he keeps. He'll keep you until you reach that eternal shore. Despite all our failures and all our disappointments, Peter's mentioned here, Thomas is mentioned here. Thomas is among them. You notice in verse 2, he's named among them. He's not missing anymore. Peter's there. That's why I got Joshua to read 1 Corinthians 15, because it tells us the Lord met with Cephas. And we're not going on tonight uh, to look at that passage, but the Lord took Peter aside and he had a word for him. Tell me, are you among that great number? The invitation of the risen Lord is a wonder. What a wonder that he ever invites sinners and he ever invites rebels such as we to his banqueting feast. And yet, dear loved one, that invitation is going out now in the message of the gospel. He yet says, Come on to me, all yet labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you prepare now for that eternal shore? Will you prepare now tonight for that meeting with the risen and glorified Lord? Will you come now and be saved? And then on that great day, to be safely gathered in 
Count it in. Count it in as the shepherd would count in the sheep into the fold. And to feast with Christ as one of his redeemed for all eternity. What a wonder. What a picture. May God have you to come tonight for his own name's sake. May the Lord bless his word to each and every, every heart this evening for Christ's sake and for his eternal glory. Amen.